welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we take a deep dive into the mechanics and play styles of all the editions of our favorite game. We look at what worked, what didn't work, what led to better games, and well as what didn't, and maybe what is or isn't, I'm not exactly sure, but we are going to talk about it all. And in this episode, we are talking about the February 2023 Unearthed Arcana 1D&D playtest. This is part two of our series on that document, uh, and we are going to start with covering the Paladin. And who is we? Well, I am Sam Dillon, your uh, your honored host, and I am with my other honored host, Brandis Stoddard. How are you tonight, sir? Uh, feeling feeling good, doing well, uh, ready to swear some oaths and channel something or other. Um, maybe some cantrips at it. I don't I don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited about you know getting to see the paladin and see what has changed in it. Um, so I hope that everyone has listened to the episode where all we actually covered was the Druid. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with, uh, with things here. Um, the Paladin does talk about both strength and charisma as primary abilities, um, which I think is pretty fair. Um, it, it does sort of suggest some... Um, uh, acceptance of multiple attribute dependency. Uh, just just one of those things with paladins. Mm-hmm. That they're always going to need their casting stat and their stabbing stat. Um, I mean, dex paladins work fine, so kind of whatever. Um, uh, about strength being their, let's say, primary. Um, and I do love a good like rapier and buckler paladin concept. Um, that's a that's a fun style. Um, so the the flavor text is all pretty recognizable. Um, it all talks about sort of the rarity of paladins, um, which you know we've long since stopped enforcing with ability score minimums. Thank goodness. Um, but um, the uh, the Oath of the Paladin can be to a bunch of different possible entities. It talks about uh, gods, nature spirits, fey beings, or the dead as recipients of an oath. And I think mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, I think making that just a little bit more explicit uh, and uh, you know, getting people to explore that more creatively is pretty cool. Um, so in the, the mechanic side, um, the the core of the thing is not very changed, right? D10 mm-hmm. hit die, wisdom and charisma saving throws, same choose two from this skill list, uh, simple martial weapons, no duels, uh, all, all armor and shields for, for your armor training. Good, great, love it. Um, nothing unusual there. Um, Nothing especially unusual in the multi-classing, I don't think. I'm not doing a side-by-side, but I, I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things start changing up once we get to uh, Paladin class features. Um, so 
so lay on hands is uh, the first feature uh, in the, the the listing here. Um, its basic concept is the same. Its basic amount of healing per long rest is the same. It's just that uh, all interaction with disease is cut out. Right. And uh, we're also going to see that uh, the paladin immunity to, immunity to disease is cut out, uh, which raises questions, I would say, raises questions uh, about what direction they might be going with disease as a thing mm-hmm. in 1D&D. Right. Um, of note, they have kept the, you know, expend the lay on hands power to remove poisoned as a condition right right so separate from disease i know you're talking about diseases but just in terms of they're still trying to keep some modicum of this will cure a person of something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah it's in i'm i'm sort of waiting to see what they do with diseases i'm interested in how they're gonna interleaven that or interleave that into the rest of the game yeah um well and Diseases were in such a weird place in um, in Five E because, for reasons surpassing understanding, the harm spell is a disease. Mm-hmm. So Paladin's just immune to that. Like right. that like, kind of came out of nowhere in twenty fourteen, um, and you know, there's a bunch of mechanical space spent on diseases, but they're also slow to act and access to curatives so easy that kind of why is this here? Mm -hmm. Uh, It it definitely makes me miss the much uh, much more challenging and demanding diseases of fourth ed Mm -hmm. and they're really excellent uh, progression tracks. Yeah. I love the fourth edition diseases. Those are very good. Yeah. They hang together very well and they, are integrated with the the system as a whole very well. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if they try to bring some of that freshness and flavor and kind of uh, scaling, you know, in terms of stages and whatnot into one D and D. Yeah. Um, I I would definitely welcome that. Uh, I don't know if we should expect it, but I'd welcome it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not necessarily expecting it, but uh, it would be a nice, uh, connection uh and a little beefing up of the current sort of disease system um and next up is spell casting um the the point at which paladins become real spell casters has let's say trended downward over the years mm-hmm. uh it has trended downward from ninth now to first <laughs> right. uh yeah they get spells uh, at first level they get, they get spells at first level they have cantrips they they can be casting every round that can be their their core gameplay if that's what you want. Yeah. It's a now, real strange that, way to play a paladin. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't do that, right. but I mean they, can. they they don't get second level spells until fifth level. So right, it's a slow progression still, but right. they, they've as, just, as a half caster that gets up to fifth level spells. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, they still start at first, so right. And, and we saw the Rangers. So there's no room to really be surprised right. by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's exactly what they did over there. Um, so that that's what you have at first level. Uh, your basic fighting ability, then lay on hands and 
your spell casting. Um, you, notably, you don't yet have divine smite, right? Mm-hmm. right. So you you can't yet turn your spell slots into murder. Um, right. <laughs> just a little bit of murder, just tiny murder, maybe some guiding bolt action. Um, so so at second level, divine smite. Um, I mean, divine smite in 2014 is the most unbelievable damage spike feature just ever mm-hmm. um, because it's uh, spending spell slots. It's declared after, you know, you have a hit and it's anytime you make an attack. So you can do it multiple times around even more. If you have haste going, um, it, you know, you're always going to save uh, some spell slot just in case you score a crit because the damage is multiplied on a crit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you in 2014, you can uh, use Divine Smite on reactions because there's nothing stopping you mm-hmm. um, on your opportunity attacks and such. Uh, so here they are specifically addressing that uh, in, in a couple of ways. So um, now you can Divine Smite only once per turn. It can't be the same uh, turn that you cast a spell. It costs your bonus action. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Is that? Um, oh, no, no, no sorry. You, that, that's, you that's, that's, that's choose the, to Yeah, that's the spells. spells. That, that's my fault. The, 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 the Smite spells use your bonus action. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can Divine Smite... Uh, uh, once during a turn, it, it's now it's basically an immediate choice, right? Immediately right. when you hit, you get to yeah. yeah. Now decide to expend the spell slot. The cool thing about the language: no more than once during a turn. It doesn't mm-hmm. say your turn. Mm-hmm. So smiting on opportunity attacks is still on the table. And um, after what we saw with the rogue not being able to sneak attack during their off turn. This is a little bit of a surprise. We might see them soften on the rogues uh, sneak attack restrictions, mm-hmm. right? Because Divine Smite is somewhat comparable, somewhat comparable to the sneak attack in terms of just being the, the huge damage spike. Right, uh, but it but it also expends a resource, whereas it does, the yeah. sneak attack doesn't necessarily expend a resource. Yeah, but you know, resource-driven stuff is always tricky in D&D because uh, the the game's designers act like you're going to be in this many rounds of combat in a day, and many, many DMs are way short of that imagined mark. Sure. Right. Uh, certainly in my experience. Uh, anyway, uh, Divine Smite is less powerful than 2014 because it's once per round. Um, you can't, you know, stretch that out with extra attack or haste or, uh, I don't know, action surge by multiclassing with fighter, whatever. None of that mm-hmm. happens. Uh, but you still get to have amazing opportunity attacks if you want. Right. Um, and if your, your enemy is uh, paralyzed or something, you, you can still just absolutely lay waste to them. Right. Uh, because it's an automatic crit. Um, then also at second level, yeah, you got a fighting style. Uh, it, it defense is the default fighting style, but 
There are no restrictions on which fighting style you can pick. None of this only great weapon or protection or dueling business. Nope. Go for it. Go nuts. Yeah. Uh, and, you want to play an archery paladin? Right. That's you. And you can you can actually gain fighting style feats later on, even though yep. you're technically a priest, not a warrior. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and, and this reminds me of the thing I forgot to mention about Divine Smite. Uh, you can now Divine Smite uh, with uh, ranged weapons and with unarmed strikes, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to melee weapons as previous. Um, the the whole thing about uh, Divine Smites being uh, restricted to melee weapons and not working on unarmed strikes or ranged weapons in 2014 is just them trying to enforce a style. And this is really showing that they are backing off from enforcing their imagined style uh, and sort of opening it up to, well, you want to play an archer paladin? Fine. I guess that is a thing in your world. Weird to mm-hmm. us. And by us, I'm imagining, you know, Jeremy Crawford speaking here. I don't actually know his opinion, <laughs> whatever, but you know, follow your bliss. Uh, and I, I'm happy to see that change because I have had a uh, archer paladin concept for ages that uh, really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. It's an elf paladin. I think it'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> so that gets us through second level. Um, so at, at third, you get your channel divinity and you get your two channel divinities. You get the same number of channel divinities as druids do. So it starts at two. Mm-hmm. Um, your third is uh, quite soon at fifth level. And then your fourth is at ninth. Right, and you also uh, can get one back when you take a short rest. Right, uh, and that's that's a. I, I was a fan of that with a druid. I'm a fan of that mm-hmm. here. Yeah, just yeah. something on a short rest for everyone. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. Um, and your initial channel divinity option is divine sense, which is beefed up from the 2014 divine sense in that this has a 10-minute duration or until you're incapacitated, and uh, it can um, uh, see through total cover. Uh, it, it detects celestials, fiends, and undead, uh, but it is not stopped by total cover, I don't believe. Um, it, you know the location of any creature of those types within 60 feet of yourself, and you know its creature type. So, I mean, that's, a, that's huge. If we're talking about, you know, a storyline around disguised uh, vampires or mm-hmm. fiends, which are right. totally common storylines, sure. uh, uh, you know, rakshasas and vampires. Uh, mm-hmm. Rakshasas and vampires hate this one weird trick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but ultimately, I'm fine with this. I just do think it's kind of very little for a a baseline thing. You're going to get another channel divinity from your subclass. No doubt about it. Just, Oh, just a sensing one. Huh? Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those cases where they're going for the, uh, again, that sort of thematic, right. This is a thing paladins do. Yeah. Right. Other, Other people don't do this. And so we want to still have it in the class somewhere, 
but we can't make it so overpowered that everybody just wants to, you know, have that thing, right? right. It needs to be special enough to be, you know, recognizable as a paladin thing, but not so great that, you know, it becomes the new defined smite in terms of power, right? Right. Well, and um, some kind of detect evil power has been with the paladin since its inception. Right. Exactly. Um, and it was often a big problem for GMs running uh, just about any kind of mystery because it was find the bad guy. Right. Who's the bad guy here? Mm -hmm. Well, right. if I'm within 60 feet and I use this ability, I guess the adventure's over. Right. And it's especially bad because like, I found someone evil. I mean, I guess I can justify stabbing them now is <laughs> really not creating good play experiences. <laughs> um, so, um, so that's that's a significant uh, adjustment to you know something that's been with the paladin since forever and has been modified and modified and modified. Right. Um, the uh, the the other really notable absence here is that there's no turn undead. Um, we're going to get to a turning like feature that is not undead only much later on, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll call that at the time, but. The absence of a turn undead channel divinity at third is striking to me. Um, well, it might come with the subclass, right? It could, right? It it could. Um, I'm a little surprised not to see it as a, as a core paladin thing, though. Um, and coming off of Tasha's, uh, I was a little surprised that there wasn't a spend your channel divinity to refresh a spell slot. Uh, not for um, Cleric, not for Druid, not for Paladin, mm -hmm. uh, who who all had something like that. Well, D Druids didn't have channels, but Clerics and Paladins had had their channel divinity. They could turn into refreshing a spell slot. So that's that's surprising. Um, but I assume that they're staying away from that because they've made channel divinity, you know, more frequent. Um, prolonged rest, so who knows? Uh, yeah, that shall be seen. And, and so, of course, you also get your subclass at third, um, and your features at uh, six, ten, fourteen, third, six, six, ten, fourteenth, uh, feats at uh, you know, four, eight, twelve, uh, sixteen, nineteen, right? With same your as, same as everyone, right? same as same, everyone, same it, it's yeah. it's the it's the, the format now, right? Um, there's also no surprise in the world around extra attack at fifth. I mean, <laughs> yep. th that'd be real strange at this point to leave out. Um, but also if you get Faithful Steed. Um, so you always have the Fine Steed spell prepared and you reduce its casting time from 10 minutes to an action. Um, and you gain one free casting of it per long rest. Uh, so that's their way to give you a, a cool Paladin mount and uh, much like we saw in 3.5, for the I think it's the first time we saw the kind of uh, Pokemon style uh, Paladin Mount summoning, right. uh, <laughs> which you know my my group mocked endlessly at the time, but we all sort of also stopped caring over the years. Yeah. Um, you know that's very much the same here. Um, so uh, that gets us through fifth level, and I've already mentioned sixth. 
Um, so, so seventh, you have aura of protection. Um, not a lot of change here, uh, except that it isn't stopped by you being incapacitated. Um, and so that's interesting. Uh, you could be, you know, I guess anything but dead. Um, How, why doesn't it stop when you're incapacitated? Because it doesn't say it does. In 2014, it stopped by you being incapacitated, mm. I believe. Yeah. Here it is. They've taken that language out. You don't have to okay. do anything to radiate yeah. your so that's a change. protective yeah. bubble. Okay. Um, hmm. So that's a thing. Um, so it, again, it's you know you add your charisma modifier to saves of everyone in that area, and that's an absolutely wonderful ability. It's incredibly powerful, and what's not to like? <laughs> um, right. Th there are other auras that I have a problem with. The basic aura of protection is not one of them. Um, I think that that. That, that's a really nice sort of tanking for the party collective defense feature. Um, uh, so, Sam, am I stopping you from getting a word in edgewise? Are we good? I'm going pretty fast here. Yeah, um, that's why I'm not interrupting. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't uh, like trampling you. No, we're good. Okay. Um, I mean, I yeah, I'll, I'll have a, some things to say at the end, but for um, sure, for sure, yeah. So at ninth, you get abjurer foes. That is the, it's not turn on bed, turn on dead. It's kind of turn everybody, um, but it's not a full. Um, it, well, it is sort of a full turn because the targets are dazed and frightened. Um, so, uh, you expansion divinity to overwhelm foes with divine awe. Um, number of creatures equal to your charisma modifier, minimum one. Um, make a wisdom saving throw on a failed save. They're dazed and frightened for one minute until, or until they take any damage on a success. They're dazed for one minute or until they take any damage. So uh, I, I sort of feel like dazed and frightened uh, both in addition to giving them something to step down to. So there's still an effect on a successful save is also uh, about making sure something happens against all of those fear immune en enemies you're going to face. Right. Cause there's going to be right. plenty of monsters mm -hmm. that are immune to frightened, right? But they don't really want this ability to get, get completely shut off. Right. And this is a ninth level ability. So yeah. it feels real bad to have something that you didn't get until ninth level. Yeah. Just not do anything to half the creatures. Well, right. Especially like if, if frightened immunity is going to show up, it's going to show up more as you are ninth and higher than right. it did earlier. Right. Because that's just yeah. monster stats for you. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'll be curious to see if they remember not to make too many things immune to both dazed and frightened. That'd be an, it's, it's an interesting right. um, well, yeah, requirement. The, right. The, pr the problem they create is, oh, well, if there's a paladin in the party, it's an insta win against this creature if it's not immune to one or both of those. Right. But then, so, but then it's like an arms race. So then, okay, well yeah. now we're going to create a bunch of creatures that have the capacity right. to just ignore those conditions. 
Yeah. Well, now you've made it so that, right? Like it, it, it's, it's not a good thing, right? There needs to be some something that, that it makes that even, right? And I, I don't know that dazed and frightened, even together, feel all that insta win to me. They're definitely bad for the enemy, mm-hmm. but um, you know, dazed is restricting their action economy, but it's not stunned. It's just dazed. Right. Um, and yeah, then, but it's. I'm just saying, like it's a number of no, no. creatures equal to your charisma mod. Which, if you're a paladin, you probably have a relatively high charisma mod. Like, you know, it's it, it could be two, a, two to a, five. A, two a, to five. It could be a game changer, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It could it could turn the tide of battle. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Um, but it, at the same time, you don't want to nerf it, but you don't want to make it so powerful, right? Like, and yeah. that's the that's the thing that they're trying to balance. But then you, like you said, okay, well, but then now let's have a bunch of creature books and a bunch of updates to to stats, and suddenly they're all you know immune to frightened. Some of them yeah. are immune to frightened and dazed, and then you, yeah. So anyway, yeah. so I think there's going to be some interesting sort of um, decision making mm-hmm. uh, between. Uh, spending a channel divinity on abjure foes, and well, we only see one subclass so far. So I'm going to say the the sacred weapon channel for devotion. Right. Um, I, you're going to run into times that you're choosing divine sense in favor of either of those, but you know, not so many. Right. Um, but ninth level, as I pointed out, is also when you get that fourth channel. So you know, you're managing that pool, but you're also pretty happy to take a short rest and get right. one of them back that sounds yes. pretty good it's not <laughs> yeah. super high pressure right it's not you know warlock pack magic high pressure mm-hmm. i'm playing a warlock i i feel that pressure oh my god i feel that pressure right. our party has a monk and a warlock we mm-hmm. want some short rests <laughs> yeah um but i'm i'm pretty okay with you know how that's working in gentle divinity right now Sure. Um, I do think you're probably going to be sort of using short rests to stanch the bleeding of uh, channel of entities rather than like, oh, I pop back to four. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I, I had to spend two while I go back up to three. Then I had to spend two more. Uh, and I go back up to two kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually ideal. That That's really, really good. That's, I think, an ideal circumstance. Um, so, eleventh level is radiant strikes. Um, rear weapon attacks uh, deal extra one d eight radiant damage. Interesting that it doesn't apply to unarmed strikes. Uh, they're right. not, you know, they're willing to let you play a paladin monk multi class and get your smites, or be a tavern brawler and, and get your smites. Fine. But let's not go too far with this now. We're not pushing you to play a a, 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 a punk, paladin, whatever they are. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, punk. Um, so that's radiant strikes for you. Um, that's very much in keeping with the, the similar feature in the 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, Aura of courage is 13th level. It is uh, immunity to the frightened condition within your aura of protection and suppresses frightened for anyone who is frightened when they enter your aura. So, sure. That's fine. Right. 
than uh, 15th level. And I just want to point out, anything you get at 15th level is very much my, boy, you waited a long time for this. You <laughs> right. you stalled on this. Yeah, yeah. well, because level. also, how many adventures actually go beyond 12th or 13th level? Folks, there's, what, two? Maybe two? Right. It, they published? Yeah. So, not yeah, many. Yeah, and that, that's what I mean, published adventures, right? Like, yeah. I know that some people go a little bit higher than that at home in their home game but right. in terms of published adventures there just are not a lot that take you beyond 12 or 13 and i do want to give a nod to the um dd adventures league for publishing mm-hmm. adventures at higher levels absolutely um, yeah um like there's very little official content at 13th but the two adventures that i've ever been paid by wizards to write one for candle keep mysteries and one for adventures league were both 13th level so that was kind of an odd coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so restoring touch at 15th adds to the conditions that you can um, purge from a target by spending five hit points from your layout enhanced pool. Uh, you can now also purge blinded, charmed, dazed, deafened, frightened, paralyzed, or stunned. Um, stunned usually doesn't last long enough mm-hmm. to make that fully feasible. Mm-hmm. Um it, well, it's kind of I'm spending five hit points to kind of be the stunned one myself a little bit, right? But also, if you're in, if you're already thirteenth level and they're in your aura of of protection, right? Yeah. Then they're not frightened either, so you're not going to expend this for to cure a frightened foe. True, you're right, probably going to way. probably going to stand next to them and and keep right. suppressing that fright. Exactly, that's very true. Um. But uh, that also requires, you know, and them you to have the aura of protection going, right? Well, you you just always there, not. right? That's <laughs> right. That, that's what I mean. That's that's where I was going, right? I was trying to be, you know, mm-hmm. at, at seventh level, you suddenly have an aura that you always have, yeah, right. Um, and then at thirteenth level, that aura gets better. Well, I mean, this isn't Diablo two. No one's super into. Yeah, flipping between their different auras. No, no, uh, I, 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 I'm not, like, you know, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, you have that aura at level seven, and then at thirteenth it gets a little bit better, yeah. and then at fifteenth, like, you still got that aura going. So you, yeah. you're probably not going to need to expend lay on hands to deal with somebody's frightened condition. Yeah, because it's just not going to exist if they're in your aura. Um. Uh, yeah. Probably. I mean, if you need to keep moving, and they you know, don't want to or can't, yeah. then I mean, okay, there is a use case. Sure. So you might as well include it, but it mostly won't come up. That's true. Right. Um so 17th level you get your aura expansion. You're familiar with this from 2014. Um the aura goes from 10 feet mm-hmm. to 30 feet. Great. No no problem. Um and finally 18th level you get divine conduit. Um Whenever you roll initiative, you regain one use of this class's channel divinity. Uh, very much like what we've seen um, with Archdruid. And uh, I think there's a similar feature for clerics. Yep. I'm not pulling that packet up right now, but I think there's a thing. And if there wasn't, there's certainly going to be. Cause, yeah. yeah. No, I, I remember there was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I like this here. Um, I do kind of wish it had one more little ribbon, like mm-hmm. the age slowing ribbon right. of. The druid, the just because I thought yeah. that was nice to like 
add a little more character mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. this to, to those high end powers. Right. Um, I honestly would not be sorry to see just a little bit more like ribbon friendly design scattered right. here and there in the classes. It, just things that come up almost never, but not quite never, and they might spark an interesting story. Right. Um, but the trend line definitely is is away from that um, overall. Then uh, finally, at 20th, you get your epic boon. Um, as we pointed out with the druid, uh, you get both an ability score increase and an epic boon feat, which carries a point of ability score. Right. And your ability scores can now rise above 20th, rise above 20, but not above 30. So pretty cool. Yep. Pretty cool. Um, so that gets us to the end of the core of the Paladin class. So your thoughts, Sam? Uh, I like it. I like, uh, that it has some similarities to the other priest classes. And Uh I like that it has some separations in there that, that maintain a bit of the Paladin flavoring that it has been relatively consistent throughout, uh, Paladin's existence in the game. Uh, I mean, across editions. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like, uh, I, I feel kind of uh, like this about the same way that I felt about the cleric that, uh, it sounds good and I understand why they made certain choices. I, I'm going to have to sort of see it and mm-hmm. see some other subclasses, right? Before I can really, you know, say that it's a favorite of mine right sure sure um i do like it a lot better than i liked where the druid was at the same stage yeah right um and i feel like they're making some really good progress in addressing some of the multi-classing like problems that the cleric was having i feel i feel good about that move um overall I, you know, I DM more paladins than a PC because that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am okay with the change to Divine Smite. Um, I feel like probably most of the paladins in my gaming circle are going to be okay with that, but I, I haven't really pulled them and I'm not sure yet. Um, I mean, it, it's it's definitely taking some of the the bite out of uh, the incredibly powerful single round action of of paladins, but at the same time, um, it's helping them manage their limited spell slots a little bit better. So, <laughs> all right, yeah. um, I'm definitely a fan of having more than one channel divinity ever. Um, so uh, overall, I feel pretty good about this. Um, I think I feel like restoring touch waiting till 15th is a little late. I feel like that's a little late. I mean, I, 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 I sort of said I was going to say that. So yeah, I, I kind whatever. of, I kind of feel that way though about all of them, you know, uh, yeah. I got, only because, you know, I mean, the way that we do, the way that fifth edition in particular has produced 
adventures and how it has published adventures, not counting adventures league stuff, but published adventures, not adventure, not adventures league because they just don't go that high. I feel like you're kind of reaching your pinnacle at 12, right? At level 12. Mm-hmm. So why not shift everything down? Mm-hmm. Well, so that so that you get some you get some of these things at a lower level and then you get some use out of them before you hit your cap up at 12 or 13 and then the campaign ends, right? Yeah. Um you know, it definitely calls to mind sort of uh, first and second ed class design, right? Mm-hmm. Where many classes, not all, but many classes stopped getting anything in terms of new features that wasn't specifically uh, higher level spell slots mm-hmm. at ninth or tenth level. Right. Uh, at which point you were getting your name level stuff, and that was that. There right. wasn't more. Yeah, and then you didn't um, even really get to roll for HP or anything. You just got like plus one HP per level. Yeah, and, right. and there was sort of a sense that, well, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're there. You, you've done it. Now, everything beyond this is sort of, um, it's kind of partway epic, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, it, it, call, call it a soft cap, I guess, is what I really mean. Right. And you're getting that, better, but you're not getting a lot better. Right. And at that point, you're also usually pretty laden with uh, with uh, magic items, right? Yeah. And now, so that's that's where a lot of your like different abilities and whatnot are coming from because you got you became so badass that you yeah. captured all these weapons from you know throughout all your adventures to get to that ninth level spot. Yeah. Uh, and it's also worth saying that there is one uh, very well hidden, you know, because it's not listed in the class description is listed elsewhere feature that all of your warrior types do get that's after 10th level they get another they get to their second attack per round or their five per two or whatever at 13th level Mm -hmm. and that's a little bit buried so you're reading the class description and it's not there but i mean it's a big deal it's a really big deal yeah if you're playing those classes Mm -hmm. so i don't want to undersell that too much uh we're getting a little bit away from this document, but we are edition wars. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they're going to try to uh, expand the offerings of campaign content and adventure mm-hmm. content, not through Adventures League, yeah, uh, up through 20th level, because historically, there just are not a lot of adventures that cover the higher levels right in fifth edition there aren't in fourth edition they didn't really they had one series that went to 30 because fourth edition had 30th as as the highest level so they had one series that went to that but many of them didn't even go up to 20 right yeah um and and third edition also had the, the the first the initial series of third edition modules the nine modules that started with uh, sunless citadel and, and all yep. that uh-huh. uh that went up relatively high and they had a couple of other like um uh, uh folio style things like i think um oh actually slaughter guard i think only went to 12 or 15 and uh well you've got uh, uh age of worms and shackled city age of worms right but those those were adventures in the magazines first yep. mm-hmm. 
So I'm not talking about I'm I'm not talking about adventure path stuff. I'm just talking about actual published adventures not related, right? So like it just which is kind of that's kind of making my point, right? Talking about those, yeah. There was Age of Worms, there was Savage Tides, there was uh, Shackled City. Um, There were a few few adventure path, and there were a few adventures in Dungeon Magazine, right? That that would be higher level. But in terms of like actual published, I mean, look, Red Hand of Doomed, one of the Red Hand of Doom, one of the best adventures written uh, for any edition. It was written for third. Let me look at it here. Pulling it off my shelf. Uh, it went to six to twelve. Same as uh, Slaughter Gates of uh, Shattered Gates of Slaughter Guard. Six mm-hmm. to twelve. Mm-hmm. So you know you're talking about you know there seems to be this sweet spot, right? Uh, and so if there's, if we're going to have games where the sweet spot, you know, keeps us, you know, capped at, you know, 12 to, to 13 to 14, does anybody ever get those higher level boons and those, right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I know, I know that plenty of home games again, that they, they do this and whatnot, but like right. in terms of support and, and published adventures for those levels, like I really want to see an addition finally get there and give us that. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that there, there, you know, there are reasons they, just, they think the demand isn't there, but that does become self-fulfilling. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, because there's so much of just well, so, teaching okay. people to love high-level play right. so, through a great adventure that then so, results in people demanding more adventure. Well, let, well so let's say, let's say, okay, the demand isn't there. Well, then why do we even have progression that takes us to 20th level? If the demand isn't there, make the progression take us to 14th level. No, times, right? So that, that's where we get into the fact that uh, D&D's reward loop is always about keeping something else out of reach. Mm. It's always about the promise of something more if you get another reward, another another adventure under your belt. There's always something more. Right. right. So then, so, but so then, okay, here, the answer to that then is you, you write the classes so that they cap at 14 and they get their, what would be the 20th level epic boon at 14. And then you re redistribute all those abilities down to the lower levels. Right. Sure. And then you write some freaking adventures that have a really great capstone set of events and circumstances and situations that let you use the hell out of your 14th level goodies that you got and yeah, you, you integrate campaign. And then the, and then you have a, you know, your PC that goes down in history that survived throughout the whole campaign and, and, you know, beat the big bad. And then you're going to start a new character when you start a new campaign. Right. Like I understand what you're saying about the reward loop, and you know you you want to always have look forward to something. Well, but who? But you know, but then to sit and say, okay, but you know, we're going to make it possible to go to 20th level. But there's no demand. Well, then then you're not then you're lying about the reward loop. No, right? I, because I, I, I agree right? that the reward loop is not infrequently a, a whole lie. I, I do mm-hmm. agree with that. Um, right. 
So I mean, I didn't. I don't mean you. I mean just the. No, no. Right, I, the, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And 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 I I think that you know that's why we when we look at some of these abilities like you know fifteenth level restoring touch like okay I shrug my shoulders all right fifteenth level right sure yeah. if I, if my paladin got to fifteenth level not that he's not already a badass because he is because of all the other stuff he got but the fifteenth level benefit is eh, okay sure right super fair super fair. So, you know, yeah, I, I I don't know. I so but and and that I'm not just picking on the paladin. I felt this way, I feel this way about all of them, right? Sure. Because I have a real, you know, like uh a, 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 a real, you know, dissonance in my brain about okay, well, I'm supposed to go to 20th level, right? But the thing is that if you do that all the time, but then you never publish things that go to 20th level, and there's no way for anyone to achieve the pinnacle of that reward loop. There's this always sense of, well, I, you know, not going to get there anyway. So what do I care about the 15th through 20th level benefits? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I don't have an answer, but I get you. Yeah, no, I know. And I I know, I know. And but I felt that same way about many of the, you know, from third on, right? Like fifth all the way. So so for, for me, I'm running a campaign. Arakesh, I talk about all the time, mm-hmm. that doesn't have any planned endpoint, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the highest level character has just hit 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm excited that he's not near the end of his progression, right? right. Um, and I feel fine about, well, he's going to keep getting some stuff, you know, all, all the way on up. Um, and you know, I am comfortable in principle with him being 20th level for a good while and maybe picking up some epic boons. That'd be interesting. Right. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen, but it'd be interesting. Um, but um, I, I get what you're saying about kind of uh, this could all be done so that all levels of play were supported with official adventures a lot better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would love to see some kind of, I don't know, new concept and imagining from wizards in that field. Mm-hmm. Right. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the yeah. one paladin subclass. Um, so you, know, you and I have talked about um, uh, paladins and paladin oaths before. So mm-hmm. I think that the breaking your oath sidebar here um, is is nice. Um, I uh, I'm not sure how different the language is from um, the 2014. Um, I think there's I think the language is similar but different, um, and it's getting into um, some options if the paladin uh, breaks their oath and does not seek to atone, they mm-hmm. willfully violate the oath and show no sign of repentance. Um, whether that might be changing subclass or abandoning the paladin class and adopting a new one, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, uh, I am very much not here for the the sort of arbitrary GM. Uh, the GM needs to be on the same page as the players right. in terms of, 
you know, the oath's terms and whether an action is a violation of it. Um, yeah, I mean, in, any time that the text says at the DM's discretion and then only gives you like one more sentence, but doesn't give you guidelines or yeah. any guidance whatsoever about how to make that happen. And not that that should necessarily be, you know, I'm not suggesting they take a three page sidebar, right? Sure. At this point, um, I understand this is a, you know, this is an UA article and, and it's yeah. a play test and all that, but, you know, but I, I highly suspect we will not get the digression in the, in the PHB either. Uh, um, and probably not get much of one in the DMG. So I, I was going to say, I would absolutely love to see a half column to a column discussing this in the DMG. Yeah. Um, comparing it to um, the, the 2014, the language is only very slightly different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, they've removed the reference to the Oathbreaker Paladin option. Right. Uh, from the DMG. It's right. otherwise unchanged. Right. Uh, and and so, but the thing is like, so that that's exactly what I mean though, right? Like anytime yeah. you say at the DM's discretion, but it's at your discretion, but we're not going to tell you anything and give you any guidance or help on how to do that. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm only responding to your comment about you know you're, no, no. you're not into like DM fiat suddenly. Well, you broke your oath, and uh, so here's what's happening, and yeah. you're impenitent. So now you're just a fighter. Yep. And you know. Yeah, and I have not had specific fights around paladins in D and D. I've had very comparable fights around comparable character types in LARP situations mm -hmm. that got pretty bad, right? I was yeah. peripheral to those fights, not not party to them, mm -hmm. but they got pretty bad. There, there were there were some hurt feelings. Yeah. Um, well, so here's the thing, right? What what they don't want to do is talk about alignment, right? Right, and so they've shifted the language to talking about the oath that this particular individual takes to their deity or to their, to whatever they're devoted to, whatever their cause is, wh whatever it is. Right. And so the idea is, well, now we've moved that away from alignment. So we don't have to have these ridiculous alignment discussions, but except we're still not giving guidance on how to help a DM deal with a player who just wanted the powers and doesn't want to, you know, deal with the sort of very light restrictions that are part and parcel with being a paladin, if, if you yeah. know what I mean. And I say very light because since there is no alignment restriction and since there is no sort of enforced alignment, and I'm not suggesting we bring that back. I'm just saying that since that doesn't exist in this edition, then you don't have a actual stated way to use that language. So now we're using other language about oaths and breaking oaths and there's this kind of assumed idea about what a paladin is supposed to be, but there's no guidance on how to have help the DM steer the player back into here's what it really means to be a paladin. Here's the difference between a paladin and a fighter, right? Yep. You, they, they're sort of relying on the audience itself to know the difference between a paladin and a fighter in, in a way that's meaningful in game terms. And I'm not sure it's there. Sure. And maybe I'm just expecting too much. I mean, this is a playtest document. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not even saying anything is right or wrong. I understand exactly why they're saying at the DM's discretion you can do whatever because a DM with a lot of experience can easily guide 
maybe not easily, maybe easily is the wrong word, but with some, with the player, they can help guide that into a good situation. Right. Whereas, but a new DM, right. Like, or with a, with a uh, player who is, you know, not really interested in losing their power because they're behaving poorly. Like that, that's, that's where the, you know, does it belong in a rule book? I don't know. <laughs> right. Because now you're talking about interpersonal interactions and player behavior, and that's suddenly not a character rule set issue. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's, I guess, a discussion for a, <laughs> for maybe a different episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have a lot of kind of personal context on that, that, I'm not sure what our tabletop uh, game playing listeners would think about it. Right. Because it, so much of it is LARP side stuff mm-hmm. uh, from a not entirely D&D inflected system. Right. Um, anyway, um, yeah, the Oath so- of Devotion, right? <laughs> Oath I, of Devotion. I, I do think it's a really important sidebar. Yeah. Um, but the Oath of Devotion, its theme is right where it was. Nothing changing here. Mm-hmm. Um Honesty, courage, compassion, honor, all that stuff. Duty. Yep. Great. Love it. Um, it, it. It has always been intended to be the the most classic of classic paladins. Right. Yep. Um, and that's great. So at third level, you have oath spells. Um, in addition to these spells are now always prepared for you um, and don't cost you a spells prepared slot. Also, uh, you get one free casting of one of the spells in this list per day. Yeah. Um, it's a nice touch. It, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, you're never going to be sorry to have that. Um, and giving just a little bit extra to the, the half caster. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, you know, I- interesting to realize yet yeah, 70 level, that's an extra fifth level slot, but mm-hmm. fine. It doesn't really matter at yeah, 70th level. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, at 17th level, no one else who can cast is looking at the paladin going, wow, you got to cast that for free? Yeah. You are so much more powerful than I am. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and um, it, it is worth remembering uh, that uh, everyone has ritual caster now. Mm-hmm. If you can cast a spell and it has the ritual tag, you can cast it as ritual. So. Um, so also at third level sacred weapon uh, the the key changes here are that now it's a bonus action rather than action thank goodness <laughs> it is not worth your action to get this thing up and running in right. a combat it, it never was it was always bad um, and also um, you can uh, have it deal as normal damage type or radiant damage um, as before, you add your charisma modifier to attack rules you make with a weapon. Right. Um, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, but uh, previously, it struck as magical instead of dealing radiant damage. Right. This is all part of getting rid of the magic weapon as a meaningful rules concept. Right. I I hate that change. I think it is just making is creating so much more complication than it's solving. Right. And I, I think they need to stop, but 
They are totally pot committed. They're they're pot committed within fifth edition, not even getting into one D and D. So, yeah, what a mess. And <laughs> just yeah, stop. Um. Uh, anyway, uh, at sixth level, you get Smite of Protection, um, which uh, when you use Divine Smite, also uh, you or uh, an ally within 30 feet of you gains temporary hit points equal to 1d8 plus the level of the spell slot used for the Smite. Um, the actual feature I like fine, basically, mm-hmm. Um and it's like your divine smite now radiates protective energy. You know, it, it's it's helping you tank by giving you some defense for someone else when you smite. Right. Great. The name smite of protection, <laughs> I think, is fundamentally terrible. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't deliver its like narrative meaning. Yeah. That, that that's just nonsense. Yeah. Like the smite is not protective. The smite is righteous murder. Right. Yeah. Smite of protection is. A, yeah, a they wrong could phrasing. easily just literally name this righteous smite, and that's it. That's that's all they need. Like that could be okay. Um, there's also a, a a little bit of a how does the magic know who you wanted it to go to? To me, because like magic requires <laughs> semiotics in in the way I think about these things, no one else cares about this. That's fine. I, I, I mean, don't care the, that no one else cares about is, this. You're, but you're, you, you're actually using your divine smite. So you're, you're using your divine smite, but it, 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 the, the person receiving this, you know, protective mm-hmm. boost is not the target and not particularly near the target. Right. So it's chaining off to some other target and there's not a narrative indication of how you are signifying them to the gods or whoever right but that's but so that's why i say like you could call this you know smite of righteousness or righteous smite or retributive smite or something because okay so you're using divine smite and you're transferring the you know the power that you're using when you're invoking that you're giving a, a, an ally some help, even though you're technically, you know, the target of what the attack or whatever is different. Yeah. I mean, I, I could totally like, I just, you know, whatever, I, like it's, it's fine with me. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I do agree. The name could be eh, um, something a little bit better. So, so where I'm coming from is just, there were a lot of uh, cleric prayers in mm-hmm. fourth ed that were, I hit a guy and then an unrelated thing happens, you know, mm-hmm. 20 feet that way. And there was just never any connection there. And it always bugged me mm-hmm. um, because um, magic, you know, it, it is about violating cause and effect. Uh, but that's because it has its own rules of cause and effect that you need to signify. Right. Um, I don't know. It, this is not something I expect anyone else to care about. Uh, I mean, my I just, I, as a person thing. who has the cleric as my favorite class ever in uh-huh. every edition, yeah. you know, I don't have a problem with that because the thing is that you're, you can be, 
you can be doing an action like attacking and invoking the power of your deity and uh-huh. trying to also have a piece of your mind and a piece of your intention go to helping an uh, an ally. Yeah, it's just it, it was always a lack of connection between signifier and signified to me. It's fine. Moving on. Uh, I, I'm not going to convince anyone. Uh, fine. I can live with that. Um, tenth level, Aura of Devotion. Um, this is exactly like the, the similar feature in 2014. Um, your allies are immune to the uh, char- you and your allies are immune to the charm condition within your aura. And right. it, it suppresses the charm condition uh, if they enter it. So, and so great. That, that's now so that's now 10th level. So if we come back up here to our uh, yeah. restoring touch now, oh, that yep. didn't include, ch- oh, it does include charmed. So now charmed doesn't matter in 15th level restoring touch. Well, frightened doesn't matter in 15th level restoring touch. Well, uh, charmed even more than frightened, you know, maybe, because if your buddy is dominated and comes over to stab you, and mm-hmm. okay, so he's, the, the dominate is suppressed because it's, is all carried in the charm condition. Right. Great. But now he needs to go somewhere else in the fight. If if you need to go separate ways in the fight, you really probably do want to consider using that restoring touch. So he, for charmed, I think there's a pretty good argument to be made that not just suppressing, but also getting to um, cleanse it is uh, a solid idea. It's not that I disagree with you. I hear what you're saying, but what what I'm saying is there's now this Venn diagram in my brain of all these things that are overlapping that get rid of the same thing, but now it's a circumstantial, oh, well, this is because you got close to me that you're getting rid of it. And if you want to go somewhere else and be more mobile in the battle, now I have to layer on top of the fact that I'm already suppressing your charmed condition, I have to mm-hmm. touch you with my divine restorative power. Right, and, and use a magic action. And use a That's magic my action. action right. Like like I'm I I get what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. right? I just feel like layering it like that m- makes it so complicated. It doesn't need to be that complicated. And it feels like I'm eroding that 15th level ability. It just really does. Whether it, is, it really is or not mechanically, like I, I can understand and this, I can separate the mechanical, you know, reality of that and what you're talking about, you know, keeping your mobility in combat and not, not being able to move away from somebody because you got to stay in their aura is a problem. I get that. But I can separate that from just the kind of distaste, the bitterness, I guess, of the taste of, okay, well, now I've got like three powers that basically do the same thing as restoring touch as long sure. as they're in my aura. Like, sure. So what good is restoring touch? Like, I, like, and I mechanically, I know, but just the, 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 the brain is just telling me it's, there's something not, it's not fulfilling. Hmm. So anyway, Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Holy so, Nimbus. so Holy Nimbus uh, is the twentieth level capstone, right? That right. Devotion Paladins uh, had before. Um, uh, you know, same name, slightly different effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the the important thing is that you're 
somewhat more likely to see it in a of 14th and 20th. Uh, right. And it is a bonus action to activate uh, rather than action. It was never worth using as an action. Come mm-hmm. on, guys. Right. At 20th level, fights are probably over pretty stinking fast. Um, anyway, um, you uh, deal radiant damage when an enemy starts his turn in uh, your your aura. Mm-hmm. Uh, so within 10 feet at 14th, and then will eventually turn into within 30. That's huge. Um, and that radiant damage scales a little bit. Freshly bonus plus grows in one fire instead mm-hmm. of um, a flat 10. Right. Um, so it's going to be mostly similar damage, maybe a little lower early and maybe a point higher later, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Pretty similar. Uh, and then the area is also filled with a bright light that is sunlight. Right. Rather so that's than gonna... just being bright light like the sun or as bright as the sun, it yeah. actually is sunlight. So it will yeah. affect things that are affected by actual direct sunlight. And I think that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, now, because yeah, there are some there are some areas in fifth edition where the idea of oh i'm doing this thing to get bright light that's as bright as the sun except oh it's not really sunlight so yeah. it doesn't actually affect that vampire i'm sorry right? this is just a really really yeah. incandescent bulb it's, <laughs> it's not just, just bright light bright light in your face while we're interrogating you it's not really no. sunlight uh, so i do want to go over some of the things that are are now gone right um sure. yeah. the the spells in the oath of devotion list changed um, there's several holdovers and several changes. Um, then um, purity of spirit at 15th level in the 2014 uh, isn't always on protection from evil and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is crazy powerful. And totally gone. Oh my gosh. And totally gone. Yeah. Um, I just in, in my campaigns lately, I've gotten a lot of uh, you know direct evidence on how good protection from evil and good is and folks it is wild <laughs> it is so good yeah uh for a first level spell um you know when it applies and it's limited by creature type but that's fine uh when it applies it's amazing um and um then also holy nimbus gave you advantage on saving throws against spells cast by fiends or undead uh pretty redundant with protection from evil and good right i I think um uh, oh sorry that was expanding it to all spells not just um uh, immunity to charm frightened possession anyway what the old uh oath of devotion was doing for you was a lot of personal defense mm-hmm. and very little defense of others, uh, which is strange if you consider how much sort of uh, I'm the devoted palace guard right. is in that theme. Mm-hmm. Um, as a reminder, that's what the word paladin means, palace guard. <laughs> we good? We're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like Smite of Protection, name notwithstanding, for being about protecting someone <laughs> right and giving you a way to you know, be active in in protection and defending others and, and i think that's very much to the good um the 
serious de-emphasis of fiends and undead is interesting. Um, we, we see very little that is linked to creature type uh, where it was before. Um, we talked about how um, uh, some of the, the curative effects are not um, this doesn't work on undead and constructs the way they used to be. Um, and lay on hands is uh, also in that category. Because, uh, 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 let me see. Yeah, lay, lay on hands in 2014. This feature has no effect on undead and constructs. So that's gone. Um, and that's weird to me. I, I think I probably mostly don't like that change. Um, I, I do want undead to be different vis-a-vis -vis healing. Um, if undead aren't different, then what's the point? Is how I feel about it. Uh, if so they wait, 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 so uh, how how would this affect an undead? How would what affect an undead? Well, well, you're saying it's this is different from. Something in this is different from the 2014. So lay on hands uh, in this paladin write-up uh, works fine on undead. Right, but do you, do you heal them or hurt them? That's you heal the... them. Well, that's dumb. Because it never says anything why, about why hurting would a paladin them. Heal? Well, I mean, there there might be a writer later on that says any healing powers uh, harm undead. Right. I find that manifestly unlikely. Because there's nothing like that in in fifth, they they got rid of. You can use curative magic to harm undead. Yeah, and you know, they also got rid of. You can use inflict wounds to heal undead. Um, they just settled yeah. for cure wounds and a bunch of mm -hmm. magical healing effects yeah. don't work on I, undead. I just have the I just have the more old school version of that in my brain. So sure, not, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've definitely been in lots and lots of games, D&D &D and otherwise, that uh, really invested in that, right? Yeah. And so you would have you know, primary healer concepts who had a real sideline in mm -hmm. you know, blowing dealing, them dead to hell. Dealing damage, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that did make things weird because healing output scaling and damage dealing scaling are usually not on a similar yeah. right. axis, right? They're yeah. just, they, they work completely differently. So the last thing about Holy Nimbus uh, is that uh, it is once per long rest, but you can expend a spell slot of fourth level to use it again. So that's pretty right. cool. Uh, I, I like that they're carrying forward that little bit of reuse tech. Uh, so ultimately, I like what the Oath of Devotion is doing. My my quibbles notwithstanding, ultimately I, I feel pretty positive on the oath of devotion. Yeah, I mean I it it's it's reads like a very fine paladin. Yep. I mean it, it's the vanilla paladin, and mm -hmm. this does vanilla paladin fine. Right. Yeah. Not uh, not having seen it in play, notwithstanding, it reads like a very fine paladin. Uh yeah. Nothing special though, right? Like and I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean you're right. It's just the vanilla, and so we don't expect to get the you know colorful sprinkles or the you know 
chocolate sauce on top, right? Like well, right. it's ju- it's just vanilla ice cream right now. Uh, but this is this is nice and effective, and um, I will say that I think the gameplay on Smite of Protection um, is probably pretty good. It's it's another little piece of decision making in your your round as a paladin. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably pretty good. Um, so there's that. Um, so that is going to wrap up our coverage of the paladin in this document. Uh, we're going to finish this document uh, in another episode coming soon. I promise. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I hope you'll join us in celebrating this our 100th episode of Edition Wars. We're planning some kind of uh, special Edition Wars celebration episode uh, that will be our actual 100th episode because we can count just like uh, editions are counted. Um, The first edition can actually be the third or maybe fourth edition. It's fine. I mean, it's totally apropos. It It is. It just works. It's we don't count like programmers. We count like anti-programmers. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. We just make it up. <laughs> um, so thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, coming through this document with us. Uh, Sam, where can the listeners find you? You can find me on the web at rpgmusings.com. You can also find me on Mastodon at dmsamuel at dice.camp. You can also find me on YouTube at rpgmusings and all over the Tome Show's Discord. If you need a link to that, just uh, hit me up on Twitter where I am, dmsamuel, or you can talk to me on Mastodon or uh, any of those other social media type things, and I will send you a link to that. Where can people find you, sir? Well, I'm on uh, the bird site uh, at Brandis Stoddard. I'm on uh, Mastodon at Brandis Stoddard at dice.camp. Um, I write for tribality.com. My personal blog is uh, brandisstoddard.com, and my Patreon is Brandis Stoddard. Awesome. And so, in conclusion, uh, I have said this many times before, and Recent politics of, to my deep horror and regret, made it all the more necessary to say trans rights are human rights. Trans rights are human rights. You have to fight for them. Yeah, I don't think people understand that rights are fought for, not given. <laughs>